Let's Talk PR and More. Public relations, media, publicity, integrated communications, marketing, digital, reputation management, and more. Let's Talk PR and More with award-winning PR strategist, Sherry Goldman. Hi, I'm Sherry Goldman, president of Goldman Communications Group, and this is Let's Talk PR and More. Today, we're gonna talk about nonprofits, and my guest today is Christine Deska. Christine is a nonprofit guru. She's president and co-founder of Nonprofit Sector Strategies, which helps nonprofits maximize their mission impact by providing them with strategic planning and board management services, including its proprietary Bells Board that helps boards increase efficiency and engagement. She's also the board president of the Nonprofit Resource Hub, a trade association dedicated to providing education, resources, and services to the nonprofit sector. She sits on the board of Hunger Solutions New York, serves as the co-chair of the nonprofit committee at the Queen's Chamber of Commerce, and I think lives and breathes nonprofits. So I'm so excited to have Christine here today. Welcome. Thank you so much, Sherry. This is great. So where do I start? <laughs> when I think of nonprofits, I think of their key need to communicate their mission and all the good work they do. And to so many disparate target audiences, whether donors or prospective donors or volunteers or prospective volunteers, media, board members, you know. So let me just start with what do you think the biggest challenge you see with nonprofits and how are they engaging and communicating about all the fabulous things they're doing? Great question, and thanks again for having me here today. Um, great to get out of Queens and out to the <laughs> island. I mean, where do I begin? You know, nonprofits are like any other business entity, except they have actually more requirements. So nonprofits have to use their revenue to further their social mission, right? So what does that mean when it comes to marketing and communications? Um, it means typically they have less capacity and less resources to do so, right? Why is that? Well, nonprofits are struggling for funding across the board. Either they rely on government funding or private funding or sources of grants that they're looking into. It's a common challenge for nonprofits to be uh, worried about diversifying their funding, worried about a funding stream going dry. I mean, it's similar to any business as well, but oftentimes nonprofits do not have the additional dollars for an extra marketing staff person or communication staff person or someone to really lead that awareness building effort. So while nonprofits have these compelling mission statements and the stories that will you know, bring most of us to tears with the impact that they have, they're often lacking in the access to the channels that a larger business would have in communicating that impact. Um, so that kind of overlays a variety of issues. And, you know, just to expand a little bit on that, you touched on the different audiences. Mm -hmm. um, nonprofits are serving many different audiences, right? Whether it's attracting donors or speaking to the people they serve or speaking to potential partners, there's all of the different need to tailor that messaging. And again, it goes back to capacity. If there's not the additional staff there to take it to the next level in terms of updating the website and branding, you know, our attention spans are so short. You talk about this all the oh, time. So it's even all these challenges are often amplified for nonprofits. Absolutely. And, you know, like you said, they do such great work and they are short on resources. So how do we get them to understand that they need to do this? Because this is going to help them in everything they do. You know, I would say that most nonprofit staff are incredibly shrewd and they're doing the best that they can with the resources they have access to and know they need to push 
for a, a more sophisticated marketing strategy um, or greater awareness building. And it's a matter of taking that step to put the pieces in place. And so that's why I personally love strategic planning because it allows the organization's leadership as a whole and a, hopefully a good segment of the board to come together to really think about what the best overall marketing strategy should be for the organization. Where are we falling short? What can we really um, implement given our resources, right? So not every organization can buy that special billboard overlooking the Hudson, right? Nor should they. <laughs> Nor should they, right? But maybe they could find a way to make sure their website is a true representation of what they do, is truly communicating their impact, their mission, um, really spend the time crafting a mission that is not only relevant to their work, but accurate, right? Oftentimes nonprofits will function for 20 or 30 years and and then not make that uh, take that step to revisit the mission, vision, and values. Oh, I was right? going to say, you know, I was say what strategic planning, but their mission is so critical. And I have found because I've done a lot of work with nonprofits, we've worked together, yes. and you know, their mission is who they think they is, but they don't understand that how it's heard or how it's being listened to by the audience. So it's not moving people to understand what they're doing or moving them to action to feel like. I can help and make a difference. Yes. So often with all of us, when we are in the weeds with any particular passion we have Absolutely. or we happen to know a lot about a particular issue, we begin to use jargon. We begin to use ways of communicating about it that no one else understands, but we don't know after a while. I'll find myself in my board meetings at Hunger Solutions, a fantastic organization, and for a while we were saying food insecurity. What does that mean, right, to the average person who's A couple not, of years ago, nothing. Right. Now it's the buzzword, but a couple of years right. ago, nobody knew what that but meant. But that ebbs and flows. So the fact that when organizations take the time to reflect on, this is what our mission statement is now, how, but then how are we communicating that and conveying that when we're on a radio platform or when we're in a meeting with a potential donor? Knowing our audience is so important. And so I really stress during a strategic planning process to not only reflect on overall resource development as a whole, because that feeds into, you know, what we have the ability to achieve, but also, you know, thinking about how we're talking about what we do. Let's talk about the strategic planning process because you brought it up. What's, what are the things that you have to identify or what's a good place for a nonprofit to start? And I know there's a range because some of them are large, but some of the nonprofits you work with and, and that we all experience are one or two person, I hate to say mom and pop shops, yeah. but they're a mission, they're a cause that somebody started and they're trying to build this foundation or this nonprofit. Yeah, great question. You know, regardless of size of any entity, there should be collective goal setting that's done, that's on paper somewhere and some way of tracking that progress. And is that goal just a dollar goal? Because I know and when I figured we'd talk about this a bit later, development is obviously donations, the, the most priority for most nonprofits. But that shouldn't be the only goal, right? Absolutely not. I mean, it's certainly important to quantify whatever metrics allow for that when it comes to fundraising dollars or when it comes to even the number of people served. You know, I talk a lot about social return on investment and what does that really mean in terms of impact data and gathering that because funders are looking more and more for that as well. But just to take it a step back, when you think about a strategic planning process, there's some core components there that every organization should address every few years. We're talking about 
your mission, your vision, and your values. Getting alignment around those key key foundational aspects of your organization, um, and then really looking at the key areas for growth as well. So we start out with the SWOT analysis, and most people uh, might be familiar. But you know your strengths, your weaknesses, your opportunities, your threats. I love this stuff. You get you know a great leadership team in a room and a couple really really smart board members, and everyone weighs in, and it's a great time to reflect on: Do we have competitors? Nonprofits have competitors often we're able to collaborate more so than in the business world and work together but you know what does that mean for our organization in five years well I assume everybody's a competitor because you're competing for share of mind certainly share of dollars or a wallet but share of time so your competitors don't even have to be in your lane of what your nonprofit is you're just competing for what limited resources you're looking for from people Right. When you look at it from that perspective, you're right. I mean, it's it's a competition for attention all around. <laughs> That's <laughs> the best way to put it. Absolutely. <laughs> in all of our lives. And that really comes to the for- forefront in a strategic planning process because you kind of see these gaps and you see, oh, wow, this program is actually poised for growth, but we haven't you know, reallocated resources toward that. Or here's an area for feasibility, and we need to prioritize that in the next two years because that could be this amazing offering we have in place, you know, if, if we plan ahead. And that's the key kind of part of the planning process, allowing your, your team to feel connected and passionate together about where your organization will be in the next one, two, and three, and even five-year visioning goals. And thinking about how the landscape is changing around us all the time and how that affects all of our organizations. Are they aware of how the landscape is changing? Because I find for nonprofits more so than corporate clients, they're in their bubble. They are so passionate about what they do and they're so in their world that they're not seeing outside of it. I mean, more than anything else, they live and breathe it 24-7. Yes. It's hard for any of us, right, when we're so in it and we care so much and that is much more so true in the nonprofit space when often social missions involve saving lives, literally putting people into housing who didn't have it before that or getting someone into a recovery program who's, you know, at their uh, rock bottom um, and going above and beyond. I just am so inspired by the organizations that I work with and I think as human beings when you're emotionally connected to anything it prevents us from the practical aspects of a growth, um, looking at growth in a different way. And as a consultant, I really value being able to come in and give a fresh perspective, kind of push back. Have we thought about this? But also allowing the leadership team to be the experts in the room with what they do and knowing how to get where they want to go. And it's just really my job to facilitate that conversation most of the time, right? So let's talk about artificial intelligence. Have we really (laughs) thought about what's going on in terms of that, um, how that's going to infiltrate every aspect of our lives, and what does that mean for your particular mission? Is that a conversation you're now having? Oh, absolutely, all the time. Um, and it's, it's a lot because you're in a room with people who are so dedicated to their day-to-day work and often work doing three jobs at minimum because most places we're um, working with have many open positions as well, and people are taking on way more than they would typically take on in this job market. So, you know, when you're asking people to think 
big and think in a visionary fashion, it is really challenging to do so, but it's valuable and it's important. How do you think artificial intelligence is going to change the nonprofit world? Oh my goodness. I mean, there's so many ways. I mean, the predictability that, that these this machine technology is spitting out for us. So recently I did a SWOT analysis with a group and one of the board members came to me and said, I did the same, I asked chat GPT to do the same SWOT analysis for me. And it literally spit out 85% of what we as a group came out with of our of our 45-minute discussion. I'm horrified. Yeah. Because I don't think it should be a replacement well, for people. And I think down the road, when you look long-term, it's going to be problematic. In the short run, it's going to be like, wow, we could do this. But yeah, there's no substitute for that leadership interaction. And so that was my aha moment from, from that um, interaction with that board member. I said, while this is very scarily accurate... <laughs> We needed to have that conversation as a group. Otherwise, our planning process wouldn't be effective. So, <laughs> Right, and they take that information, and if you don't know how to use it, then yeah. it becomes... Right. And who's evaluating if it's even correct? I mean, you only know it's 85% accurate because you had the other if you had exactly. no benchmark. I know, but, but I'm terrified because I think that more and more people are going to go, well, if it's 85% true, let. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of exciting opportunities around that sort of intelligence where we can target more effectively people in need, um, given a certain mission, you know, if it's hunger, if it's poverty, if it's education. I think the technology is really going to help us really find people who might be flying under the radar, um, even as, as astute as our data is now, it will get even more. Um, interesting, to say the least, but I mean, a lot of it, we don't know what we don't know. Um, we can just try our best, given the missions that we have in front of us, to to predict and prepare. Right. And, and I would say, again, going back to the core philosophy of nonprofits, which is usually helping people, supporting a cause, it, to me, needs to be people-centric. Yeah. There needs to be a heart. There needs to be people. And certainly people who want to connect with nonprofits are going to want to connect with people. Because if you lose that people, I think you're going to lose the core. And then it becomes, you really almost commoditize what you're trying so hard not to commoditize. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's like anything else. You know, when you have a personal connection or when a relationship is in place, you're so much more connected to whatever that might be. Um, and the same goes for nonprofits. When you have a dynamic leader, you know, to convey your mission, it's that much more likely to resonate with a group of people. You bring up a point, mission leaders. So is the mission most important? Is it the leader and is that the executive director or, you know, where? And I know that we're going to talk about, you know, the boards because the boards really matter. And you do a tremendous amount of work with making sure that nonprofits have the right board. But how do you connect with this internal audience? And they are then the messengers, hopefully, for what you do in the community. And how do you kind of keep that all together? Oh, well, that's, there's a lot of challenges there, like with any other team, right? The mission, vision, and values are often referred to as this trifecta of an organization's culture. And when you think about company or organization culture, you really get into a lot of factors. Um, we have many organizations who have prioritized diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts. But what does that really mean? And with every organization, it's different. 
Do and they I, just say it? Are they walking the walk or are they just talking the talk? I see many moving towards or well into walking the walk I'm now. I'm glad to hear that. With the help of really intelligent consultants, uh, I work with many who inspire me because the climate surveys they're conducting among organizations to really get to the root of employee opinions, a sense of belonging that every organization needs to have for it to be successful. There's a term I heard recently called silent quitting, where an employee could start to disengage. And and is your organization vulnerable to people leaving because of your culture? So there's just so much to tackle at once. And that engagement across the board, whether it's, to use the word board, whether (laughs) it's just the leadership internally or the board and governance aspect of it, it all plays a part and it all needs attention. It's a lot. It's a lot. (laughs) So what do nonprofits do? How are they communicating with their boards and their volunteers now and getting them to understand the message and then be the messengers for Yeah, great question. So, you know, every nonprofit has a different cadence of board interaction. Usually it's on a quarterly or monthly or bi-monthly basis. And so what that means is it's hard to keep board members engaged. And your board is vitally important to your organization because they have to approve certain budgetary elements. They have to evaluate your CEO or executive director. And so that's why at our company, we've really leaned into board development and, and working through how an organization can have better board engagement and communication. And so one way would be to have all of your information centrally located in a portal like Bell's Board, and there are many others out there. But all of that goes a long way because our board members are busy people, right? Keep in mind, you talk to one nonprofit board member and you come to find out later they serve on two or three other boards, right? These are the people with good hearts. They want to give back and they, they want to play a role in where an organization is headed. And, and oftentimes they need to be fed the information and resources to serve as your best ambassadors. So the, it, it goes back to the hub of the nonprofit and who's handling feeding them that information and how can people do a better job of that? Yeah. I, I, might, I probably shouldn't have used the word fed because it's a two-way street. No, you know? it's obviously yeah. two-way. But, but somewhere it starts from yeah. internal oh, and absolutely. then has to move to external. Yeah, so the, the leadership team as a, as, an, as a group is really responsible for making sure board members have the space to ask the questions, have the space to push back on how they're growing. Um, and really as the subject matter experts, as leadership team members are, you know, letting board members know about why we're shifting this year and, and proposing or proposing a shift from a big event to several smaller engagements from this communication strategy to a major gift strategy and really keeping board members abreast of, of what growth is in front of them. And it, it takes a lot of effort to, to try to utilize that short board meeting time to accomplish all the things, you know, and, and stay in compliance on top of it all. <laughs> compliance. Oh, my gosh. You mentioned websites at the beginning of our conversation and one of my pet peeves with nonprofits is if you look at their website, you know, what they have at the top on the front thing is from 2018, 2019. Their latest news is from it looks old and not current. And people who are looking to engage and participate with a nonprofit or donate want to know what currently and that they're going to do something to make a difference. Yeah. Has websites changed the game? Has social media changed the game? Where do you find most effective? Well, that's a great question, and I'm glad you brought it back to that piece of how nonprofits communicate their mission. I mean, I think most nonprofits um, have acknowledged that 
people are going to go to your website, and that is a, is a vital part of how you represent yourself. It, it is your first your first impression for the most part. If they hear of you, the first thing that they do is Google you and yep. look, and it is your first impression for nonprofits as well as for profits. Yeah, I was in a strategic planning meeting this morning, and we were talking about the trend of nonprofit organizations rebranding right now, finally kind of making it through the pandemic and really thinking about um, what is my brand, rep- how is my brand representing us as an organization, and our website is a part of that, right? Oh, it's so, a big part of that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah but um, in addition to your point about social media, I think it depends on the audience that's being served. If it's an organization that's aiming to connect with youth or younger people, they might make the time to make sure they have a TikTok yeah. that's that's alive and well and, and thriving and, you know, getting traction. Um, but if it's an organization serving older adults, maybe it's Facebook, you know, where they want to make sure they have a presence. So I think nonprofits like businesses are starting to identify that this mix, this media mix needs to be tailored to the audiences that they're serving. And they're trying to prioritize that. It just takes longer given the resource constraints we talked about earlier. No, but they do need to have, everybody needs to have a presence or a placeholder on most social media. The question is, which is going to get you better engagement? And what's the content you're going to post? If you're always just asking for money, eventually people will tune out. But if you're sharing your stories of what you're doing and you're getting them engaged, you have the opportunity to have content that they would share, which hopefully will bring you more engagement. Right, right. Absolutely. I mean, we talk all the time and I love when you you always say, you know, in terms of PR, nonprofits have it ready to go. It's built in with the stories that they can share of their impact. Right? They don't have to come up with something different like a Coca-Cola, which is, you know, ingesting us with sugar. But it, but the branding makes you think it's, you know, the, one of the most wonderful ways you could spend your day. No offense to Coca-Cola. Nonprofits do great work in human interest in case studies and, and relevance are, are some of the things that make things newsworthy. Yeah. I just think they probably fall short in telling those stories that they probably have. Yes, it's, it's this ongoing struggle to make the time for that content creation when it's there, but it needs to be packaged in a certain way. I know you talk about that a lot when it comes to capturing media attention, right? How can the story be massaged or presented in a way where it's ready for a reporter to pick it up or it's ready to be positioned on a website in a visually appealing way where someone can, in five seconds, really see, wow, they're really making a difference and, and, and even have a sense of how they're making a difference. Right. And I think that's so important because then people will feel more engaged. As I say, there is no bad nonprofit. I mean, there's no nonprofit that's not doing good work. They're all doing fabulous work. But how is that related to me? Which am I going to choose yeah. to give my very limited time or my very limited dollars or my very limited recommendations? Yeah. You know, and that's where the story that they tell or how compelling they tell their great mission and how relevant they make it is important. And you and I have had this conversation many times. You know, if you can quantify or gives people something to say, even if you only have $10 or $20, that will make a difference. That will make people feel better about that as versus they feel like the problem is too large. And while they do care, it's just going to fall into an abyss. And yes. it's sad, but nobody yeah. wants to participate time-wise, dollar-wise in an abyss. Yeah, I mean, it's human nature, right? If something becomes overwhelming, it's paralysis by analysis or paralysis by overwhelm. <laughs> you're right. And so if a message is, is not being conveyed in a way where you think that what you're able to give is really going to make a difference and to be able to have some 
idea of what that difference will be, a donor will often go elsewhere. And I think, you know, organizations have a lot of ways they can enhance their appeal to prospective donors. Um, For example? For example, I was talking this morning during a strategic planning meeting about there's a wonderful entity out there called um, uh, Candid, and it was GuideStar and the Foundation Center that merged to form this entity, and it's a wonderful hub of nonprofit data. And what that means is you can look up any nonprofit's 990, and you can see what their mission is. You can see who's making above a certain salary level. You can see revenue. You can see all these great data points. Um, and they also have a rating system, and it goes all the way from bronze, I think, to platinum. And the, what the differentiating factors are, and a lot of people use this to kind of figure out, you know, what nonprofits operating at the highest level. The higher level um, statuses include things like transparency and communicating your strategic plan goals and your impact. And donors now more than ever want to be able to understand those metrics and that impact, and that could be the deciding factor. And so we always encourage organizations to show up on a platform like that because it's well-known and it's a standardized way of ranking, if you will, nonprofits and providing really powerful data. Which now goes back to they need to elevate the importance of communications and marketing communications because it sounds like that shows up in the data. Yeah, and you know, a strategic plan is really a waste if there's not a way of communicating that plan to your staff as as a um, uh, across the board, your staff at large, and also your stakeholders, right? So there's so many pieces in that planning process to consider. How um, do you recommend they communicate to their? Let's start with stakeholders because employees is, is a whole different ballgame, but stakeholders. That's the audience is, in essence, potential stakeholders. Yeah, so there's some really important communications collateral pieces that organizations should think about having in place if they do not, um, and those would include things like um, your at-a-glance strategic plan, a sort of one-page summary of your goals and metrics, which is really difficult to pull out of uh, the comprehensive plan oftentimes. That came up this morning um, as well. Um, let's see, other kind of summary um, ways of, of, com- of conveying your goals are really important in terms of engagement. So there's a lot of ways to think about, going back to what we said about the mission, right? Right. You know, how are we creating a place for reporting out on those goals and then showcasing that on a website, right? So I look for an annual report as well. I look for um, a summary of a plan because that shows that an organization is really planning ahead and really has their ducks in a row in terms of where it's going. Do you find that words or pictures are better for, words or pictures are better for communicating? I'm so glad you asked that. (laughs) Because I see a website in my head and I'm like, well, should they have words from your perspective on the homepage? Should they have too many clicks no one's going through, but should it be pictures? Should it be videos? What 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 works? This is so interesting. So we had this debate this morning because, you know, now most of us are expecting a website to be pretty dynamic and you can kind of scroll through and click on things and get a lot of different information about metric. But at the same time, a prospective major gift donor may still want the ability to download a one pager that conveys your impact. So it's it's often really trying to repackage your key metrics in a way where different audiences can access it in the way they want to, meeting them where they are, um, in a sense, which takes a lot of planning and effort. But (laughs) if it's not visually appealing, if it doesn't look polished, if it looks dated, 
you know, you have people and us as humans, whether we know it or not, we're going to make snap judgments and the perception <laughs> is reality for people. And if your site is not up to speed, it sends a message. And unfortunately, whether or not that actually represents your organization's progress or achievements or impact, that's what a viewer will be left with. And so you have to really understand what that um, perception leads to if your site or if your social media is not kept current. No, I agree. Absolutely. That's so important. And the other thing I would say, which drives me crazy, is as soon as they capture my name or they see the email, I get 20 emails a week from them and they're all begging for money and I get mm. it. But eventually, in my opinion, you're going to shut somebody down and they're not going to see the good things that you're doing and feel compelled. They're going to yeah. immediately spam you, unsubscribe you or. Yes, I mean. And I get that they need it. So they have they have live bait. I have live meat. I'm going to. But there's such a thing as overkill from right. my perspective. And too much of this e-blasting, I think, is bad. Yeah, there has to be some sort of pulse on the, the data of, you know, if you start to see your email open rates declining. Are they checking um, those email open rates? Are they? Most of the organizations we work with are. They are. Um, okay, so they're that sophisticated to know. That's where yeah. they're putting their time and efforts into. Oh, sure. Um, and, and website visits as well and different patterns there. But in terms of the analysis of that data and really making um, improvements based on the data, I think it's hard to change and evolve and if you don't have a strong communications staff person in place where that's their role is to evaluate your communication strategy um, it, it makes it really hard because you have a lot of people weighing in on different pieces but not seeing that overall plan moving forward and so it does take a toll I and mean, when it comes to board member engagement one of the things we try to do with bell's board is provide a dashboard that's visual and a dashboard is good regardless of what you use it for if it's conveying your most important metrics and your progress and drawing eyes to a more visually appealing chart as opposed to text which people are less likely to read and absorb you know that allows board members to see okay wow we should we can say you know this year we served you know, 20% more people than last year in these two key programs. And it's a clean, clear-cut talking point to have kind of ready to go when you're at another networking event or out and about. And someone says, you know, what, is, what does that organization even do, right? right. Because we as regular people don't know. And consistency of message is important because the problem is when board members are out there, everyone says something different and there's no consistency of message or consistency. What are the three things you want everybody to know all the time? Yes. And like a great best practice along those lines is to have an annual board retreat. Make the space for board members, if we're talking about that audience, to come together and practice their elevator pitch. How would they describe the organization? Put everyone on the spot, you Absolutely. know, make it fun. And everybody can kind of give constructive criticism about how someone would describe the organization. And you will laugh to, when you hear the different ways that people would talk about it because it's all based on our prior um, experience, how we speak about something, which is fine because it makes it personal. But oftentimes there needs to be some tweaking in terms of accuracy um, and, and you what's still most relevant. <laughs> yeah, you consistency. still need consistency because just because it's their experience doesn't mean it's really what the organization wants it to have out there. And, you know, it's yes. always, no matter any client I change, it's like, what's the three top copy points? And you go one, two, one, three, one, two. 
You've yeah. got to, and I think board members and volunteers and everything has to have that. Yeah. Should, because our time is running out, um, in terms of resources, what can we do for, I guess, communications? Or Listen, there are a lot of people listening who are going, I think I want to work in the nonprofit sector because everybody yeah. wants to do something good and they want to make a difference and certainly oh. if you're talking communications people they can make a difference yes well in an you, organization if you are listening and you want a job <laughs> in the nonprofit space i have organizations that have 500 openings that are literally just scouring the earth for good folks and some resources to share quickly i would say the nonprofit resource hub where i serve right now as president is a nonprofit trade association it's nonprofitresourcehub.org and it was created to be a resource and a connector for organizations so you can't go wrong as an individual to start there and try to you know, get connected on out based on what your specific needs are. Um, Nonprofit New York, if we're located here in New York, is a wonderful hub based in Manhattan that we're also a part of. Uh, my company, Nonprofit Sector Strategies, of course, for strategic planning. But there's so many wonderful people out there doing good work. So don't it's, be afraid to ask for help. Don't be afraid to ask. The help is out there. The connections are out there. The resources are often out there. The challenge is to take the, make that space for you and your team if you're part of a nonprofit to, you know, have these tough conversations and plan ahead. When people are volunteering for your events, should you also say, hey, we'd love if you've got an expertise in this social media, would you like to help us with our TikTok? Would you like to help us? Can you galvanize resources that way? Absolutely. There's something we do called a board matrix exercise that really drills down on the skills and abilities and backgrounds of board members and what they can bring to the table. You can do that same sort of exercise. Actually, Adelphi University out here for nonprofit leadership has wonderful resources on their website, um, templates for board matrices and things like that. You can use that same model with your volunteer core and find out where people want to show up. I mean, I often say you might see someone as a CPA. But they might have a whole theater background that you Absolutely. don't know about and connections that you could have been tapping into that you would never have known if you didn't ask them to self-identify their strengths. And it's fun to see what comes out of those kind of um, conversations. This has been fabulous. Thank you, Christine. It's You're so welcome. great to have you great here. Great to see you. <laughs> so that's Christine Desco from Nonprofit Sector Strategies. I'm Sherry Goldman, and that's Let's Talk PR and More for today. You can find more information about the show and about me at Goldman Communications Group's website, www.goldmanpr.net. Thank you again for listening. I look forward to talking PR and more with you all again next week.